0: Welcome to Season 5 of For the Quantum Grammar Shoot Podcast, a podcast where I discuss how correct sentence structure, communication, parse syntax, grammar, i.e. quantum grammar uh, has affected my life and the psychology behind it. Now, these are my stories, histories, just opinions, spoken in plain colloquial English, so there's a bracket at the beginning of the audio and a bracket at the end. So I hope you find some value in these stories and opinions, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the first episode of For the Quantum Grammar Shoot, Season 5. To tell you the truth, I don't really have any concrete way of determining what one season is from the next, I just kind of go along and I say, well, I've done a lot of episodes in this season, I guess it's time to to move on to the next one. So for the first podcast of this season, I'm going to tackle a very touchy, controversial topic, and that is the psychology required to learn correct sentence structure, communication, parsy, syntax, grammar. And it's a biggie. I'm very fond of saying that 90% of learning this is psychological. And what I mean by that is one must have the correct neurological pathways developed ahead of time so that the grammar knowledge has a safe, solid place to travel through in the psyche in order to get full closure on the grammar. Because if there are blockages, also known as cognitive dissonances, one is not going to be capable of gaining closure on the grammar because they perhaps are holding on to a belief, meaning an assumption, a presumption, and they're participating with this belief as a fact rather than viewing it for what it is, which is an assumption and presumption. It's very difficult at times. And I've found, since I've been teaching this, uh, I in, started in February of 2018, literally hundreds of students have come in and out of my Zoom meeting room. And without fail, at least 99% of them have had one belief that they come up against, that they cannot get past the challenge of seeing it for what it is. Because of cognitive dissonance, because perhaps it's a very deeply held sacred belief to them that they've created this sort of wall around it, that they can't get past. They can't navigate around or dismantle. And so therefore, they are left with a deficient neurological pathway that cannot handle the correct sentence structure and they don't get full closure on the grammar and they run into problems with it. I've seen people do this that have been learning it for over a year with me. They've been studying and they do great until they come up against this thing. And and it's just, it's up to them to rectify it, to to make it work within their construct to either accept it in a psychological way that does not conflict with the facts or do away with it as an assumption entirely and just be, to use a a harsh term, be brutal with themselves with regards to these beliefs. Very few people can do this. It takes a level of humility that is above and beyond what we are normally used to exercising, if we exercise humility at all. But it's a level that's above and beyond what we normally experience. I know this because I came up against it quite a few times uh, in my grammar learnings and studies and performances. There were times when I had to humble myself and stop and correct myself But the more that I did it, the more that I realized the power of that, the the power of humility and being able to step back and look at things and adjust accordingly to a challenge and do away with all the assumptions and presumptions with regards to the grammar and be able to move on with it. And the way I do it is I exercise Logic. Now, I've mentioned this before in videos and podcasts that I studied very intently something called the Trivium Method for about two years. And I still study it, but I was able to gain closure on it after two years. And what is the Trivium? The Trivium is basically a threefold learning tool that can enable you to learn any topic just by using the trivium. And the trivium is basically grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Grammar being the manner in which you communicate, logic, just critical thinking, using a specific set of rules or or methods, and rhetoric is how you convey that knowledge to another person, how you convey that closure. And it lines up, congruent with correct sentence structure, communication, parsely, syntax, grammar. What I did was I just took the fiction grammar part out, put in the quantum grammar, and now it works fine with the logic and the rhetoric. And that's how I did it. If something is logical, if if you bring to me something and you say, this is this, and I'll say, prove it, show me evidence, Prove it to me that it's tangible just like I can prove to you that this candle is tangible or this pen is tangible or this tree or this sky or the emotion of love, the sensation of love or a cup. These things are tangible. They're facts. We can certify them. You bring me something and show me logically that it lines up just like these other things and I'm on board. I'll certify it with you. But it must be logical. And you must be able to convey that using your rhetoric without using hearsay or appeals to authority or cherry picking or any other logical fallacy that's out there. And there's there's a lot of them. So before I move on to the next segment, I'll repeat again. I highly recommend the Trivium Method. And I'll leave a link... To a good website to get started with uh, in the description of this podcast. Now I'm going to move into the, I guess, challenging, controversial, and maybe perhaps for some uncomfortable portion of the podcast where I'm going to give some examples. Now, say for example, you and I are friends and we're just having a discussion and I pull out a pen and I say this is a pen and you say prove it and I say okay what is a pen? A pen is a writing instrument in my construct Can we both agree with that and you say well yes I've used a pen before there are different color pens and then I hand you the pen and you look at it and you say yeah that's a pen it's not a pencil it's a pen. Yes, it does write. Yes, I agree with you. It is a pen. Now, would you as the listener agree that that's one method of certification, that pen is a fact? That's how we can certify pen as a fact. Now, try to do the same thing with Jesus Christ. What would someone give as evidence that Jesus Christ, number one, is God? Try and give evidence that there is a God. In the same way that I just showed you, there's evidence of a pen. Do you see what I'm getting at here? This is a huge stumbling block for some people. In that, they cannot, number one, rectify their belief in these things or number two they not they cannot come to an objective critical conclusion that hmm that is an assumption I am navigating on an assumption a belief that I cannot prove to anyone else, only myself and that's the key because you are the authority of your construct. Everything comes from you thinking. If you weren't thinking, God wouldn't exist. Jesus Christ wouldn't exist. A pen would not exist. This podcast would not exist if you were not sensing it right now. If you were not thinking of it right now. What is thinking? Well, in the singular, thinking in it is, is. And in the plural, it's are. It's motion. Can't really pin it down we use the thinking in correct sentence structure to move the cause and the concern into the possessive concern and possessive and authority that's what the verb is used for for facts if you just have a a verb by itself a verb thinking by itself there's nothing to think about there's no way to certify that that's why if you look at a correct sentence structure question the verb comes at the beginning. It's putting—it's like putting a vowel in front of a consonant at the beginning of a word, which is a particle of negation. Why is it a particle of negation? Because it's verb thinking. You're putting a verb there without anything to think about. You're putting thinking there without anything to think about. Hence, that is why in correct sentence structure, if you put the verb at the beginning, it's a question. Because you don't know where the geometric level plane field of contract is, you haven't established it. You put the thinking first before there's something to think about. There's no closure to it. Hence, that is why it's a question. It navigates the same way as a belief. Because there's no closure to it. You can't certify it. That's why it's a question. It's the same thing with the concept of God or Jesus Christ or Allah or... Any entity, demons, spirits, however you want to say it, it's logic. And these things are the stumbling blocks in a person's neurological pathways that can cause them to not have full closure on grammar and have holes in their vessel when it comes to trying to cognize the grammar. Another example I'll use, which is not as extreme as the one I just used, is I got into a conversation with a good friend of mine and is, uh, one of my best students. Um, he, well, I made the statement, and we were speaking in plain, simple English. I made the statement that Bruce Lee was not a real fighter in the same sense that Rocky Marciano was a real fighter. And my friend took issue with that and began to send me links to videos of Bruce Lee exhibitions where obviously choreographed scenarios where he's doing moves on a compliant and unaggressive partner. There's no video, actual video of Bruce Lee fighting in the same way that there's video of Rocky Marciano fighting. You see what I'm saying? And then he would send me videos of other actors and stuntmen and bodybuilders who say that, yeah, I saw Bruce Lee fight or this, that, and the other thing. They themselves were not fighters. They're actors, stuntmen, and bodybuilders. Just like Bruce Lee was an actor and A Stuntman, pretty much. Now, I can prove that Bruce Lee was an actor. There's footage of it. I can prove that he was an acrobat, and he was good at choreographing fight scenes, fight scene choreographer. I have evidence of that. However, I do not have evidence of him ever being in a fistfight, other than hearsay, in the same way that... I can show you footage that says that Rocky Mars that proves that Rocky Marciano was a fighter. He knocked people out with his hands. There's footage of it. A fighter in the context that I uh stated, the parameters that I gave, as in a fighter being a person who uses their hands and feet, knees, elbows, submissions, grappling, wrestling, martial arts, boxing to compete against another man or to fight no matter what it is in that in a physical sense bruce lee was not a real fighter there's no proof of it and again this is a very deeply held belief for a lot of people if you've ever been in the martial arts community and you've ever looked at black belt magazine or going into the martial arts forums you will see that Bruce Lee, that if you come out and say anything like what I just said, people get very upset. Because it's almost like the what I was talking about, Jesus Christ, is that they they really elevate Bruce to a level that's almost like a cult status. Just like the uh, what I just mentioned about religion. And it's amazing to see these things. Because if someone is going to participate with that, that is a belief, that is an assumption, you cannot prove that Bruce Lee was a combat fighter in the same way that you can prove that Rocky Marciano was a combat fighter, that you can prove that a can that, that a pen is a pen and that it writes. It's not the same thing. And this is what I mean when I say that ninety percent of learning this grammar is psychological. Because one must get past those things and eliminate Those assumptions and those presumptions, if one is to get full closure on the grammar. The next example I'm going to give are the conspiracy theorists. This should be a fun one. In the past few years, I have definitely gotten away from participating with these types of things. Now, up until 2017, I was one of the biggest conspiracy nuts out there. I mean, I loved it. I loved to participate with the the ideas that there are reptilian overlords and underground bases filled with aliens and that there's demons and that there's some kind of galactic federation and so on and so forth. That there's, you know, we have bases on Mars and we travel through the galaxy, so on and so forth, time travel, Um, all these things, I was very much into them and participated with them as if they were real, as if they were facts. But then, when I came into the correct sentence structure, my thinking, I had to stop and correct it with humility and realize that there's no way I could prove any of these things. So the examples I'm going to give here are most recently during the Trump administration, How many... I mean, this was like the golden age of political conspiracy with the QAnons and and all these things. These anonymous sources, which that's a red flag right off the bat. If it's an anonymous source, that means that no one's accountable for the information. So you could say whatever you want and not be held accountable for it. And that's what I've seen. I've seen people spreading these rumors And then other people pick up on it as if it's really happening and spread it around. It goes viral, and then nothing happens. The most recent one that I just saw, a friend shared it with me, was that President Biden had been arrested along with a 100 or so other politicians and that the military was going to take over the government and get rid of the adjective pronoun deep state and so on and so forth. And this all was going to happen by... Uh, Friday, February 5th at at 6 p.m. or something like that, Eastern Standard Time. Now, of course, that has come and gone, and nothing has happened uh, as I thought it. Nothing would happen. But the point is, is that in this video that my friend sent me, the guy giving the info said that he had a very good source that showed him the court documents that Biden had been arrested. And when the interviewer said, what's your source? The guy said, well, I can't tell you that. It's an anonymous source, but it's a very good source. And I have two other sort of uh, two other sources that confirm this information as valid. And then the interviewer said, well, who's the other two sources? And then he says, well, I can't tell you that either. <laughs> he said, but it is on the Internet. And so he said, people will ask me, show me the court documents then. Send me a, a screenshot. And the guy says, but... He says, if I do that, people will say the screenshots are fake. He said, so go ahead, go on the internet and look it up yourself. Go on the website and look up the court documents yourself. I'll give you the website. Guess what? He never gave the website. So these are all red flags. It's flag protocol. You got someone out there who's signed what they call an NDA. That's their, their claim so that they don't have to give up their sources. What is an NDA? Non-disclosure agreement. Let's parse that. Non is no. Dis is no. Closure. A is no. Agree. And then ment is contract. So it's a whole huge no-closure statement. There's no closure to what the person is saying. Obviously, because they can't give up their source, they won't give up their source. And these rumors... These beliefs spread like wildfire. People get excited about it. And then it doesn't happen. So then they have to move on to the next one. And the next one. And the next one. I've seen these like, especially during the uh, election and all the fraud and things that were going on there. It's all a big theater. And people get so wrapped up in it. Because... It takes them away from what's really happening. It's like syntaxing in real life. Not just the grammar, but everything. Body language, flag protocols, the words someone chooses to use in in Babel. If one develops the correct neurological pathways via the correct sentence structure, communication, parsing, syntax, grammar, they will be able to syntax these scenarios and see What's real, what's not. And they won't get spun up into these conspiracies. (music) Oddly enough, one of the biggest culprits of this cultivation of assumption and presumption is certain segments of the quantum grammar crowd as I'll call it, meaning that there are certain segments that promote well-known figureheads or well-known characters that have well-known names. When these figureheads don't really say anything of substance, they just tell stories about what happened or what's going to happen, but never what's happening. And they certainly don't give correct grammar performances on their documents. If you look at the documents, you go in there and you look at the grammar mechanics, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But then again, you have to have closure on the grammar to be able to see these things. But even a rudimentary conversancy in it will show you, will bring some questions to the forefront. Hey, why, why is this like this? How? That doesn't make sense forwards and backwards. That's the biggest tell right there. If the sentence does not say the same thing or hold the same value backwards as it does forwards, it's not correct sentence structure. End of story. So anyways, to continue on with my uh, opinion that the quantum grammar crowd cultivates this type of assumption-presumption mentality is that there are these stories that people tell about these well-known characters that cannot be proven but they've been told so many times that people just decide to participate with them as facts, even though they haven't been proven. Like there's been claims that there is video existing of some of these well-known characters going into courtrooms and doing this and doing that and doing the other thing. Everything's on film, but no one's ever seen the footage. Now, if these characters... Truly, did hold the power and authority in the titles that they say they do. Well, then, why not bring the uh, the video out? But it hasn't come out in in decades, so why would it come out now? Do you see what I'm saying? It's all based on assumption and presumption, and it becomes a belief that people participate in, much like the belief in a in a religion or belief that Bruce Lee was a real fighter. In the same way that Rocky Marciano was a real fighter. In the way that I can prove to you that a pen exists and is a pen, and on the flip side of that, you can't really prove that a Jesus Christ or a God exists in the same sense. It's the same thing with this. It's just a lot of talking with no tangible evidence or proof that any of these things happened. And if you follow the story all the way through, you find out why these things happen the way they do. And they're also tied up to timelines as well. One thing I'd like to bring up at this point is that I remember from a a seminar that Colin David Eifenwyn Colin Miller did uh, with Colin Russell J Colin Gould. I can't remember what seminar it was, but David said something very interesting. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, He said that Russell and I are corporate. We certify one another. If I write a document, I send it to him to look at, he certifies it, he does the same thing with me. If one of us is gone, if one of us leaves, it's no longer certification, it's now opinion. Because one is opinion and two is certification. So just keep that in mind. To wrap this up, I'd like to share with you what my knowledge of the two core principles, overarching principles of correct sentence structure communication, parsing, syntax grammar are. Number one, now space, and number two, closure. As I'm fond of saying, there's plenty of now space to get the closure that we want. If someone is making claims and they negate those two principles, well then, they're not in the domain of fact. They're in the domain of fiction. I.e., if someone's talking about the past, or talking about the future, they're not talking about the now. And if they're not giving proof of their claims, now they're negating the closure. If they're saying that this is classified, or I'm not sharing everything because this, that, and the other thing, well, they're negating closure. So these are some very simple techniques that one can use to audit the claims that other people make so that one does not get caught up in participation with an assumption, a presumption, or a belief. It's what I do. It's how I navigate. I look at grammatical performances as well. If someone is claiming to have been in correct sentence structure uh, crowd for 20 years. I look at their grammar. What grammar are they using? Are they using Babel? Or are they using correct sentence structure? Or are they using some bastardization of Babel and correct sentence structure, which, by the way, doesn't exist. It's either correct or it's not. A friend of mine once told me that I think in terms of black and white, that there's no gray area. And his argument to me was there is a gray area. My response is if it's gray, then it's been modified. It's either black or white that's been modified. In correct sentence structure, there is no modification in correct sentence structure. That's why I don't, for example, use the ing suffix because it's a gerund modifier. It's not in my construct. So you can look at the descriptions of my videos on YouTube and you can look at my grammatical performances. You can see on my Weebly website, you can see on my WordPress website, LinkedIn, whatever website, this uh, website, uh, Anchor, and look at the correct sentence structure on there. Now, go ahead and look at other characters who claim to be, have some sort of position using correct sentence structure and look at their grammar. Can you read their sentences forwards and backwards? Or do they use fiction babble? Or do they use something that looks like correct sentence structure but isn't? Such as putting a colon in front of a hyphenated fiction babble sentence. For example, colon how hyphen r hyphen you hyphen today. Question mark. That's not correct sentence structure. I don't know what that is. Anyways, it's just interesting use of punctuation, I guess. But that's my opinion. So, hopefully, I've given you some food for thought about assumption, presumption, and how this fits into the psychology of learning this grammar. That if you are going to hold on to a belief in the manner that I've described it during this podcast, then you're probably going to have a great amount of difficulty getting closure on the grammar or being able to develop a solid foundation of fact for yourself. If you are capable of being, again, to be harsh, brutal about yourself and doing away with the assumption and presumption, I mean, just consider it. Consider, hey, maybe this is an assumption. What would happen if I decide not believe in this and think of it as an assumption. I mean there are ways to do that psychologically. Instead of saying that this is this, you could say, I'm open to the possibility of this, but I can't really prove it, but I like the idea. I mean that works and psychologically it's you're being easy on yourself. That's one technique. But this is a huge issue and I just wanted to bring it up again, and uh, I think this season is going to be a lot more serious. I can think of a few more subjects that I'm going to bring up that are definitely going to be thought-provoking and probably not going to make me any friends in certain sectors of the quantum grammar crowd. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you have a great day.